Um, there's a great verse in Genesis 18:19 that really goes well with um, that song, and it says uh, these words: "I've chosen him." And I don't know where you land, but I've chosen him, meaning us in this room who are fathers, to do this, to direct your kids and your household after the way of the Lord and being right and just in how you do that. And I think that's such a great privilege as we just, um, as we maybe expand this a step past, uh, just fatherhood in itself and start talking about influence in this city and what it looks like as Colossians 3.16 speaks into our hearts to say, you know what, we really want to be people who they say this of us, that we love Jesus more than life here. Really, that's a good amen moment or nod your head, whatever your response might be. I mean, really hope like at the epitaph of our life when as he was singing, um, I don't remember the exact lyric, but when you lay my body to rest, that the one thing that will be spoken to me is that um, Jesus was so great to me. He was so powerful for me. He was so beautiful and that in following Him, I just charted the course to be able to be about what is right and just and to direct the way to say, hey, follow me and you'll find this trail to Christ. And so I'm, I'm just praying for, um, for us, the fathers in this room, to be spiritual leaders. I'm praying for the men of this church to be um, godly leaders. I'm praying for the fathers in this city to be glad that we meet. Those that are currently without fathers to say, look, there are some spiritual fathers. I'm praying for those of us who are speaking in the lives that, um, that, that we have been given the chance to disciple to be the true spiritual men and women that God has placed in this room to be the spiritual fathers for them. And uh, I'm just really praying that God is going to use us in a profound way uh, to be able to chart the course, to be able to ask and answer this question, what would it look like for the Word of Christ to dwell among us richly? I want to um, talk about this, this video, if you will, this day, and more importantly, this Scripture, both Colossians 3.16 and Philippians 4.9, and be infinitely practical today. And so um, we've, we've been living in this idea that Jesus rescued us. And if you've been here for a little while, you've kind of seen this whole thing. So let's revisit where we are. Colossians 1 says that we have been rescued from the domain of darkness. Praise God. And not only did he do that and say, good, good luck after I rescued from the domain of darkness. No, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and he placed us into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the son of God whom he loves. That makes me, that makes my heart happy. I have been saved for almost 40 years now. And every time I say that Jesus rescued me from the domain of darkness and placed me in the kingdom of the Son of God, I am grateful. And so uh, I was a nine year old kid. And the reason I can look at you and say, please, let's be passionate for Bible school because it changed my life. But literally, I've seen it change hundreds, if not thousands of other lives. And so uh, not only did we learn that, but we, we, we've just gotten more fun with this, that Christ is in us, Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory. We are at Colossians 3, hidden with Christ in God, just reminding you where we've been. And then we get to do this together, so I have all these little people, I'm not reopening this because that's theologically unsound, to open this box. We're in Christ, in God, He's in us. And then, and then if you can see all the little people, we're in this together, right? 
And then, if you were here for the last few weeks, we're kind of saying, and our lives are just tethered to eternity. And so if this red dot were eternity, and or this little red piece of tape were eternity, and the rest of this rope hanging off of the cross were the rest of our lives, there's no way that we could focus on, on this little red dot. We're just a bunch of people saved by God, rescued by Him, placed in His story, getting to be placed in His story together, and our hearts and lives are tethered to eternity. Woo! Praise you, Lord. And so, that's where we've landed at this moment to then start to wrestle with this truth. Colossians 3.16 reads this way. If you um, have your app, you're welcome to flip open your app. If you have your scripture, you can open your scripture, whichever way you want to go with that. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. And we're going to do this as it dwells among us. We're going to teach one another We're going to admonish one another. We're going to do that with wisdom. We're going to do that through the Psalms. We're going to do that through hymns. We're going to sing songs from the Spirit. We're going to sing songs to God. And there is going to be gratitude in our hearts. And that's why when we came into this room this morning, if we are a part of this truth of Scripture, then there would there would be an explosion of the Spirit of God because we would be singing all kinds of songs. And I'm not talking about from 10.30 to 11.30. God, God bless you if you're getting out at 11.30. You're leaving without me being done. But I'm not talking about this hour. I'm talking about from the minute you walked on campus, there would have been this sense of, God's song going on among us when Christ is dwelling among us richly, right? And it probably was happening. I mean, you probably bumped into your first people and you broke out into the Hallelujah Chorus. You know, something like that. I mean, it's just, you can't fathom being together with several hundred believers celebrating the goodness of God and, and rejoicing in that. And so, if that's going to happen, and we're going to see that happen, the Scripture says we're going to teach and admonish one another, and we're going to do that not in some idea that we bring to the table, but we're going to do that with wisdom. And as biblically we know this, there is no wisdom we bring to the table. Our wisdom comes from our God. And so then he really then brings us in where I love having friends like this. I led you right up to this moment last week. I love having great wise friends who sing songs over me. Sometimes practically and sometimes in spiritual world. And Rick Wheeler is one of those friends. And so Rick sent me a note last week, or maybe three, four weeks ago now, and said, look, I just believe Philippians 4.9 is so aligned with this. It's the how-to of this verse. And so since Rick is you know, down in the back, I'm going to just preach his message for him. And he can re-preach it. Is Rick in the room? Did I just hear his laugh? There he is. Do you want to just come preach this? Thank you. I have your back too, met- metaphorically speaking. And so Philippians 4.9, he dropped an email and just said, it was about six or seven of us, Rick, I think, and just said, look, guys, I've been, I've been pondering this verse. Look, I am praying, and I will preach this in a minute. I'm praying that you share life with friends like this. And an email drops to your bot that just says, I have been sitting on this verse, and I think it's something that speaks to all of us. You're going to hear me talk about that in a minute. Just park on that. I'm praying that you have friends like that. And, 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 in chapter 4, verse 9, I hope it's popping up on the screen. If not, it's in your notes. I want to read from the Holman Christian Standard Version. It's just such a good version. It says, Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Seems very similar to Colossians 3.16, which we're going to bump up to 3.14 next week and talk about this God of peace, this peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. But he says, Do what you have learned and received. Paul's wrapping up in the book of Philippians. This isn't one of those, 
There's a lot of other things about this idea surrounding it. This is the end of the, cha- of the book of Philippians. And he's looking at a group and just saying, I just want to throw some truths down and I don't want you to forget these truths. And this is one of those. I want you to do what you've seen and heard. You've learned and received and heard and seen. And the God of peace will be with you. And, and Paul's just kind of saying, look, I don't want you to miss this. And if you just look at the actions in this verse, it's powerful. If you want to know what it looks like for the word of Christ to dwell among us richly, I believe we can give a little summary of that or a taste of that in Philippians 4.9. Look at the first action. You've got to do something. I mean, there's going to be a natural outflow of this church. The book of the book of the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ was not the book of learning. It was not the book of we're going to sit around and have Bible study. It was the book of people who came face to face to encounters with the living God where the presence of God fell among them. The spirit of God was powerful among them. And they did not park in that and say, we should probably stay here. The very minute after Pentecost, Peter walks out and begins to do something. He does, he does, he does the very next thing. He does the very next thing that is very natural for an encounter with God. He walks out and begins to speak to people who have not yet heard of the encounter that we have with God. And there's going to be this, this byproduct of our fellowship that says, look, we, if, if we're going to sit in this church, I'm going to read Rick's words, word for word, without application and practicing of spiritual disciplines, we just have a spiritually immature people who happen to know a little bit more. Can I just say that again? You should, Rick should probably tweet that and quote himself. Without application, without practice of the spiritual disciplines, what we grow up is a group of spiritually immature people who happen to know a little bit more. If you have been in church for a long time, I have since negative nine months, I am surrounded by a group of people often who know a lot and do very little. And yet Paul begins to say, if the word of Christ is dwelling among us, you're going to begin by this. You're going to do what you learn and see and hear and receive. And it's going to be a supernatural outworking of Christ. I had, I had, um, senior adults, your life matters. Let me just say that. When I was a young pastor, I was 24 years old. I was in my first church. I was so excited about Jesus. Can you imagine? And I was so believing that everyone was excited about Jesus. And I had this great conversation with our guys. And we're, we're walking into a study. And I remember he was one of these men that was precious to me at that time. And he was precious to me after this time. But boy, was I let down. I started talking to him about action that we needed to take. And then a study that we were going to dive into. And he looked at me and here's the words he said. I've been through every study that you need in church. I'm not going to go through anymore. Uh, To this day, I will never forget two things. When he said that to me, what a mind-boggling moment was for me and what a loss it was for him. I walked away thinking, you know a fraction about our God. Because if these studies had been exaggerating Jesus in your life, if they had been amplifying Jesus in your life, you would be sitting and saying, I have tasted a morsel of the God that I want to know, and I will be knowing him through eternity. And I'll never forget the day that he mowed his grass, sat down in his garage, went to heaven, and I got the phone call. And my first thought was, wow, did he ever get a bigger picture of Jesus? And I just, I want a group of us to sit around in this room at every age and, and be looking on the edge going, God, what do you want to do among us? And our answer before you speak is yes. 
We are hungry for you. We are longing for you. We're going to take action when you speak among us. I was just, I was just thinking about my kids. As a, as a kid, as a kid, as a dad, since it's Father's Day, I love to say to my kids things like this, you know, particularly we've been selling our house of late, and so I'm kind of moving in town a little bit, and so we're always looking, have our house ready, you know, somebody's going to look at it today, and I love, go make your bed. I've, I've loved this response from my kids. You know, Dad, just come walk out of the room. This, I won't say which one. This is such a normal thing with one of them. And so, I look, you know, did you make your bed? Um, no. But I, I sat in the room. It's a great room. I love the bed. It was comfortable. I even laid on it, Dad. It was beautiful. And I'm going, okay, well, do me a favor and go back and make your bed. And I love this. This has never happened before, so this is now just a story. And so it comes back out ten minutes later. Hey, sweet boy. Did you make your bed? <laughs> no, Dad, but you won't believe what I found online. Do you know how many styles of beds there are? There are like 40 different kinds. Let me tell you about a four-poster bed. Or, Dad, there's this amazing water bed, which I don't even know if they make those anymore. Do you remember how cool they were for those of us of the older generation? And so there's this water bed I'd love to have in my room. It's great. Should you do me a favor? Did you go make your bed? I love when he rolls back out. You apply this as you see fit. Dad, I looked up and found out that the very first beds ever made were in Greece. And I am quite capable of speaking in Greek to you now about my bed. I'm just looking for my big bull scholars to get a kick out of that. And I think that I'm looking at him and just thinking, you know what, I just wish you'd go make your bed. And I think there's a lot of times the Lord is just sitting in a room like this and just saying, look, I just wish you would be obedient to what I've asked of you. I mean, I love that you know it in Greek and I love that you study 40 different versions. I just really wish you would know and do what I've taught you. And I think there's a dupe facet of this that runs into our hearts and just says, look, go after this. When you read it, be about it. And here's the part. Action without wisdom is insanity. So that's why he picks up, he says, do what you have learned and seen and heard. And I love this, do what you've learned. That we, that we as a church are walking around acting in accordance with the Word of God. Do we, do we know this? The Word of God is breathed by Him. I mean, literally, do, do we know this? That the Scripture is God-breathed and it is profitable for us. It's profitable for teaching in this room. It is profitable for changing lives. It's profitable for searing away or circumcising the things that need to be removed from our lives. It's profitable for rebuking us. It's profitable for challenging us. The Word of God is living and active. It's sharp. Do we believe this about the Word of God and what we're learning together? I mean, this is what we want to be about as a church, the church that is created for the sake of the glory of God. That He is breathing life in us. And you know what that would mean? That would mean that there we're learning things together, right? And it would literally mean there was depth of learning. We have no wisdom. This has been said already. I just want to say it again. No wisdom apart from Christ. But in Christ, and in His Word, and in His movement among us, it is amazing what He wants to do as we grow in the wisdom, as Jesus says, or instead of Jesus Himself, as we grow in wisdom, and favor, and stature, in God and men, it can be so astounding. The word of Christ must be the consuming passion of the church. I mean, as the word of Christ is proclaimed by the leadership here, by your pastor here, it is, it is not one thing among many things in the life of this church. It is not a product of this church. 
The church is a creature, if you will. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It is a creature of the Word. We are given birth by the Word. The church is alive. It is a living, breathing movement of the Word of Christ dwelling among us richly. A living, breathing, redeemed place of the community of Christ. It's not by our own doing. Here's what you should know about this. Nobody 60 years ago had an idea to birth Mandarin Baptist Church. If this is the church of Jesus Christ, it came alive because God breathed his life onto us and we will only sustain life as we sit underneath the breath of the living God and his word dwelling here among us richly. And so the, the life of this church is not by what you give or don't give or whether you show up or don't show up. The life of this church is the word of Christ dwelling among us richly. It's God's redeemed people saying, God, we are made alive by your word. The more, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this the more that Mandarin Baptist is tapped into the word of Christ, Said differently, the more that we are tapped into the gospel, the more that we will live with the word dwelling among us, the more transformative the spirit of God will be among us. And you should hear this. You should hear this. I have, I have lived this and I have not lived this here. And I pray that this will not be true of us. I actually wrote this this morning on social network. If we get away from this, if we get away from the word of Christ, we will run on fumes. And we will run on nothing that transforms. And here's what happens. We will choose as a people to be conformed to a pattern of religion rather than transformed by a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. If you've never experienced that, you should thank God. But I've, I've hung out with church people so much that hang around and say, look, if we do these four things, we think Jesus is happy with us. And he is looking and saying, what I really am thrilled with is a group of people who walk in intimacy with me. Who walk in context of relationship with me. And my dynamic is moving among them. And they are learning. And we as a body of believers are sitting in this room saying, Oh Lord, we know that you are teaching us. Here's, here's what we should pray for our church. That we would find it to be an abomination to settle for a pattern of religion. And we will settle for nothing less than this. That the Spirit of God moving among the people of God in power, in might, with His glory among us, is the only thing we're willing to settle for. It's cheap and fraudulent apart from that. So we're just sitting in this room going, Lord, together we're going to take action. We're going to do some things because we are learning your word of God is breathing life into us. Your word is written, living, and indwelling. And we are sharing that together. God, we are, the, the next action word is this. The next verb is this. We are receiving this together. There implies in this that there's a transaction that's going on among us, that we're actually talking about the word together. We're transacting that word together. I, um, I, had, I, have, I love our staff meetings, and we just we sit down and we talk about things like I want to talk about in this big room, and it's not set up for that. And so I just really on Tuesdays throw out a question from what we've had happen in the room. A couple of Tuesdays ago, I just said, look, what does it look like for the word of Christ to dwell among us richly? And I love Leanne, and she and Mark came in, and Mark didn't come in, but I heard their story. She just said, um, we were cracking jokes at the beginning of staff, and Leanne was pretty serious at that moment, go figure, that doesn't happen often. And so um, she was actually like moved and just said, I want to share a story, can we just get to the point? And so we did, and just tears running down her face, she started talking about Larry Perez, who had died in a car accident the day before, and she just said, look, I want to tell you what a picture of the word of Christ dwelling among you richly is. 
And so instead of me just going on and on about being received, she just said, this is what Larry did the first Sunday that we moved out of, you know, Timbuktu, Mississippi into San Francisco. We were kind of just blown away. And so we, we found a little home church, and I may butcher the story, so forgive me on the details. But I asked her if I could tell this story. I said, is there anything more fitting 20 years later to honor the life of a man who was unexpectedly killed and to talk about his influence about 20 years prior? And Leanne just said, please tell his story. And he just, I love it. He, he said, he walked, Leanne said, we walked in and he grabbed me by the shoulders and said, I'm so glad you're in this church, but sister, tell me about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Sister, I want you to, and she, that's not a one-time deal, Mark. Larry just apparently just exuded Jesus. And she said, if I would have pictured the word of Christ dwelling among us richly, it was Larry who had nothing on this earth, who lived in a little shack with his children, and we would go over, and I think they said there's like holes in the wall, and he's fixing beans for us, and rice, and we're rolling them up, and we're sitting in the middle of his floor talking about Christ. He's so thankful to be able to share this love of Jesus Christ, and that's what they learned from him. And, and how many years ago? Is it 20 years later? 15 years later? 20 years later, she said, and said, if I want to picture the word of Christ dwelling among us richly, if I want to know what it's like to transact information, I think of Larry Perez. And just my thought, and I'll give you my ending thought now so you can ponder it for the next 10 minutes and I will end. But here's my ending thought. Could someone 20 years from now have something to say about you where you are grabbing them by the shoulders and saying, what or who is Jesus to you? Sister, I just want to know if you know my Jesus. That would be beautiful at Mandarin Baptist Church if our guests walked in and we grabbed them by the shoulders and said, we're glad you're here. And you might freak them out. So I don't know, unless you're Larry Perez, I'm not sure you should do this. But I just, we should, we're so glad you're here. But we just want you to meet our Jesus. Do what you have seen and received. And I love this. You have heard. This means there's conversation going on. We're just talking about this. I think I've already been all over this, but we're conversation. Here's what you're going to start to hear about in the next year. And you're going to start asking questions about this. There's, there's just percolating in our heart, in my heart, that we just move this idea of church from the hundreds, which is us. We're sitting in this room right now, gathered together as a group of people, just saying we want to chase Christ. And this is very biblical. This is the temple courts kind of idea. But I want to know when we move to the next level, who are your few? You know, when, when you look at the model of Jesus Christ and you begin to say, what does discipleship look like in a church? And you start to talking about interaction and transaction. You start to talk about a 12 or a group that you share life with. And I wonder who your few are. If you're living in isolation as a believer in Christ, if you're living in isolation in, in context of this community, you are missing completely the ability to have the word of Christ dwell among you richly. I mean, I don't mean to challenge you and you can take that or leave it. Just take it up with Scripture. Because if you're going to do what you have seen and heard and received, you've got to be able to give and transact with us. And you're, you're going to miss this. So we're going to say, look, the hundreds, we're getting together and we're, this is going to be a mind-boggling blowout of celebration of Jesus. We're going to tell God stories in this room when we get together because we can't possibly know all the God stories around the room. So we'll do what we've been doing for the last season since I've been here. We'll tell God stories up in this area. We'll sing God's songs. But I want to wonder who's your few? And I love the next question. Not only the few, but who are your three? As I look at the model of Jesus Christ, we're going to begin to partner, to set aside our discipleship process this way. Who are your three? Jesus hung out with three. 
He had the temple courts. He had the gathering. He had the 12 and he had the three. And I'm just wondering, who are the three that you're going to share life with that know your guts? Because let's face it, it's super hard to be committed to this room. I mean, I think we can commit it to Mandarin Baptist in this room, right? And we can commit it to, I mean, hypothetically to one another. Most of you don't know each other's names. But it's a little easier to be committed to 12. But you're still probably not going to say to the 12, here's the real stuff in my life. I am currently walking through, and it can be the valley of the shadow or it can be the highest of highs. I want you to walk this with me. But look, you can really do life with three. And you got three people who are holding up your arms. And I'm just, I'm, we're going to start asking questions like this. Who's your few? We're going to start asking this question beginning in the fall of this year. Who is your few? Who are you sharing life with in context of a group? Who is it that you really, I mean, who is opening the word of Christ and it's dwelling? Who are you learning, hearing, and receiving this with? And who are you transacting with? We've got, you've got to know this, that um, if a lot of people start talking about, I want to be missions, I want to be ministry, I want to be cared for. This is where it's going to happen. I mean, right here. So if you're standing isolated, don't be upset. Just get in the middle with a few. They're going to share life with you. I can't tell you as a pastor and the, the, lives, the opportunities, and I'm now off context, so I'll just be brief with this. I can't tell you how thrilling it is. Rick and I actually shared this story this week, and I don't have permission to go into detail. Um, I, I can't tell you how thrilling it is as a pastor to be able to walk into a situation to say, what's going on? And people say, our group's got this. They have already loved us. They've already cared for us. And pastor, we're really thankful. Rick, Rick was just telling me, and he just gave me the yay. I mean, I love this picture when... when um, I don't love this picture. I'm saddened by this picture when they had their tragic accident, but I love this picture of the body of Christ when Rick said, I had family scattered everywhere, but I made one phone call to my few, the leader of my few, and my hospital room was packed with people. And I'm just wondering, who's your few? And better yet, who's your three? And, and then the last thing we'll always wrap this up with, so I told you this is infinitely practical. It's all for one. It never turns inside. Here's, here's some of the issues we've got to face as a church. We've been hanging out with a few people for a really long time. And, and here's the reality. It's all for one. One being Jesus Christ. But there are ones outside this room that desperately need Jesus. And some of us need to expand our few. Everybody ha- happy right now? I'm loving this. I, I'm just praying that God is going to move among us. And, and here's what happens. You're going to do what you have seen. People will see this. They are going to hear, receive, talk about, and then be about, do what you've seen. In fact, we're going to live this stuff. This is going to be so exciting. Can I go back to Larry for a minute? Because it's one thing for him to grab Leanne by the shoulder and say, tell me about your Jesus. Tell me about who you are with Jesus. It's a whole other thing when he shocked her in Mark's little Mississippi world and said, can you pack up on Saturday morning? We're going to meet at like daylight, right? We're going to meet at daybreak. I need you to make 50 sandwiches. And we're going to downtown San Francisco to street preach the gospel. That's awesome. And Leah's like, we're doing what? We're going to go to downtown. And she said, Larry, just ongoing. It was in his actual obituary that she sent me that sent me last week. Ongoing. We're just going to the streets. And she said he would be harassed 
But then inevitably someone would walk up, eat a sandwich, and get saved every single time he went. Larry was just passionate. And it wasn't a, oh, you know, religious story on Sunday morning. It was Saturday morning at 6 a.m. until we run out of sandwiches. We're going to San Francisco downtown. We're going to go across the bridge. We're going to love Jesus because people deserve to be loved. We're going to love them with the word of Christ. And if Christ allows us to speak his truth in their lives, we're going to, as we love them, speak truth. I thought that was awesome. And I am, I am praying that that testimony will define us. And I'm just ending with where I said I would end a little bit ago. Are we leaving a legacy of Christ alive among us? Do what you have seen, taught, heard, received. Are we leaving that? 20 years from now, I, I may or may not be on the planet. I pray that I might. But 20 years from now, I'm just asking myself this question since I walked out of staff two weeks ago. Who would would say of me? That dude grabbed me by the shoulders and cared more about Christ than anybody I've ever met. I wrote Leanne back later that day. I said, oh, that could be my epitaph. The lyric to the song we sing, that dude loved Jesus with everything he had. And here's the promise. This is where we'll open up again next week. The God of peace will be with you with this. This world is desperately longing for peace. And in the middle of this room, people who have learned and taught and heard and seen, we have it. We're just praying that the peace of Christ will find rule in this hearts. That the Holy Spirit will be free to be Himself here and do what only He can do, which is to absolutely turn our lives inside out for the sake of His glory. So if I could grab you by the shoulders right now, I would. And I'd pull a Larry Perez. How is it going with you and Jesus? But let's not stop there. Who are the few that you look wide-eyed together as you share life with Christ? What about your three? When they know you inside out, they push you hard, they ask you the tough questions, and you know when you bump into them that they're going to speak wisdom to you, and it will be truth in the very heart of Christ. Do. We have learned, heard, received, and seen. And the peace of Christ will just permeate this place. Praise you, Father, from whom all peace and blessings flow. God, I pray that we would not mistake peace for lack of issues or problems, but we would understand peace is the presence of your Spirit in your life. God, I pray that, that this would be a place of peace, meaning Jesus rules here, He reigns here, He is the King of glory here. God, I pray that this would be a place of peace as we allow you to transform us as a fellowship from the, from the inside out. Jesus, I pray that this would be a place of peace because where Christ is, there is peace. And it surpasses understanding. And it guards our hearts and minds forever in Christ. 
And so Jesus, I just pray that You will dwell among us, that God, in a moment, we'll sing. And we'll sing with gratitude and expectancy. And there will just be a welcome Jesus Christ in this room. We're going to sing for a few minutes. And Dr. Dan will be here at the front. 